sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. If there is a hot topic today in how religion and politics are relating, it has to be immigration policy. How are we as Christians to think biblically about immigration and how to relate to immigrants? Our guest today is attorney and scholar, professor of church history at Andrews University, Nicholas Miller. Nick, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Always good to be with you, Alan. Well, there's an awful lot in the Bible about how we care for strangers, isn't there? Yes, yes, there is. It's a topic that is frequently visited, both in the Old and New Testaments, I would say. And yet, it seems that today, much of the discussion from Christian circles about immigration focuses on the issue of law, right? And, you know, what's legal, what's not legal, who's obeying the law, who's not obeying the law. You know, how does law really play into this? Well, you know, as Christians, we have a healthy respect for law and order, and and so we should. The Bible indicates that the rulers have been put in place to uh, keep law and order. Um, But sometimes law and order can become uh, an end in itself, or we can develop an obsession with it uh, to the expense of other important principles. Uh, so many Christians today in the discussion over the immigration debate will, you know, believe that, well, if you're an illegal immigrant, an undocumented immigrant, uh, some will say, but especially those concerned with law and order will often say illegal I- immigrant, illegal alien, then you deserve what you have coming to you, whether it be being captured at the border and arrested, being separated from your children, being held in jail, right? What rights do you think you should have if you break the law? Uh, American citizens who break the law and go to jail also leave their kids behind, so what's the big deal? And I think that, that this kind of approach overlooks an important principle in the law that I think is also recognized in the Bible. So let me begin with the legal principle, and then we'll talk about how we can see evidences of that in various biblical stories. So the the legal principle is this. There's at least two kinds of laws, and you can divide them um, philosophically into two categories. One would be under the heading of a, a Latin name, Malum in se, malum in se, meaning the thing is evil in itself. And so these would be laws that prohibit acts or conduct that are wrong, that are morally wrong, that even if laws didn't exist, they would still be wrong. So laws like um, against murder and theft and adultery and cheating, uh, stealing, lying in court, these are certainly laws on the books. But even if they weren't there, people would object and say that your behavior was wrong in doing these things. But there's another category of law called malum prohibitum. Malum prohibitum means the thing is wrong because the parliament or the human legislature has prohibited it, passed a law saying you shouldn't do this. 
So those so laws, driving 65 in a 55 zone is not necessarily immoral uh, in and of itself, but it is a violation of the law. So laws against speeding do have a moral component to them because they protect human life and safety. Um, but the difference between going 55 and 60 miles an hour is not probably uh, sufficient to make much of a moral difference. Maybe an even better example would be zoning laws. What kind of signs you can put on your building or house, uh, how you have to design your uh, exterior or parking lot. Most of those things don't have health and safety concerns, which might be moral. This is purely how the community wants the street to look. And if they hadn't passed the law, there'd be nothing to prevent you from putting up a sign however you would like it. So sure. once once you see these two uh, distinctions between these two kinds of law, it's not that you should just ignore malum prohibitum laws, laws the legislature has passed. Being a good citizen means taking into account the wishes of uh, your fellow citizens and what the legislature has said, and and you should follow those. But so the, Nick, yeah? I've got to introduce here a third category of law. And that category are laws that are inherently evil themselves. And I cite as examples the Jim Crow laws that prevailed throughout the South for so many decades that uh, deprived African Americans of many of their rights. So there's, you know, yeah, those would be laws, laws, laws not based that, on natural justice, but laws against natural justice. So. You know, that's another category. And, you know, part of when, you know, we're looking at the immigration issue is at least I think the point of this discussion is to say it's not enough just to say, well, if the law says it, it must be right. And if you break the law, then, you know, you get what you deserve. Christians have always stood with Paul and Peter and others and said, well, you know, if I have to choose between obedience to God and obedience to man, um, I'll choose obedience to God. Yes, and in fact, we often think about that in terms of religious freedom, but the Seventh-day Adventist Church has a heritage of where our own leaders said back in the middle of the 19th century that we had a duty to disobey laws regarding the returning of escaped slaves to their masters. Uh, law didn't have to do with religious freedom per se, but it was about a central moral question about other people owning other people. And uh, we were told that we should disobey that law because it was an immoral law. And the question is, immigration laws, many of them are based on malum prohibitum, right? Nations didn't exist. You could walk over whatever border was there. There would be no moral question about it. And so immigration laws, again, to make the point, they should certainly be respected and in most circumstances obeyed. But we need to remain alive to other principles, such as human life, safety, and health, that could be imperiled if immigration laws were um, rigidly enforced without exception. And if we look at so the I'm Bible... Gonna, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, if we look at the Bible and the way that various heroes of biblical stories conducted themselves, we might see that in a variety of circumstances... Um, heroes of the faith, including the Holy Family itself, disobeyed various civil authorities, uh, whether exiting or entering countries, 
in order to preserve life and to follow God. So if we think about Abraham leaving his own country, entering the countries of others, he didn't appear to always have permission to do that, uh, though he sought to have good relations with whoever was in charge around him. Um, but more dramatically with the story of Moses, who flees Egypt, knowing that the civil authorities don't want him to flee Egypt, and then he returns, and he's aware that the civil authorities don't really want him back, and then he leads his people in what is in the end, and uh, he gets permission to leave the country, but then that's then revoked, but the children of Israel ignore that and leave the country anyway. Um, and there's a certain sense that human immigration laws well, they should be followed in most instances, but when they impact the life and health and safety and integrity of, of families, that maybe other options, other choices can be made consistent with biblical principle. Well, you know, I'm going to kind of cut to the chase here, Nick, because I'll start by confessing that I don't have any particular um, policy in mind when it comes to immigration. I don't know what our immigration policy should be. And I'm not certainly not advocating for open borders, but as a Christian, it seems to me our first uh, kind of heart priority is caring for people who are suffering. So whatever the policy should be regarding those who are seeking to come to our country, we certainly should not be, uh, you know, causing them injury. And that's what's happening right now at our border. Whatever we do with those who come to our border, it should not be to inflict more harm on them. They're coming because they're leaving places where they have been harmed and they're at risk of harm, and yet we're inflicting more harm. And, and that's the thing that troubles me so much as a Christian. Yes, I think that, and that is meant to be my main point here. Not that we shouldn't have immigration laws. We must. There has to be order and God appoints governments to maintain order. But in maintaining that order, neither should we act inhumanely. And I have just seen things on the news in the last uh, week or two that disturb me greatly. Um, immigrants who come here seeking medical care and treatment, children who can only survive uh, on various kinds of medical facilities that they regularly attend here, have been given notices of needing to leave the country within 30 days, and in many instances will result in uh, certain death. Um, I don't know what our immigration policy should be. It's a complicated matter. We can't have open borders. But I know what it shouldn't be, and it shouldn't involve doing things like that, uh, kicking immigrants who have sought permission to receive these treatments out of the country, knowing they will be severely impaired, or even to die. Also, separating parents and children at the border uh, also seems an obvious act of inhumanity that could be avoided. So the Bible doesn't you know, give us an immigration policy, but it does give us guidance as to when to speak up when it's being implemented unfairly, inhumanely, and, and without charity. You know, I came to California from back east, and immigration wasn't the same issue in New York as it is here in California. And I came here and I saw a state where our economy depends on migrant laborers, on those who are here. And what I observed, Nick, is that 
we have built an economic system here um, that encourages, you know, we need this labor uh, for many different industries. It's not just the agricultural industry. It's construction trade. It's tourism, hospitality, many different industries. And yet we have no legal above-board system for filling the demand for labor. Uh, you know, those who say, well, um, these people are, these immigrants are taking jobs that Americans want. That's not what we experience here in California. And so I have come to the conclusion that we are all responsible, that you can't just point the finger and say, you know, somebody else is doing this. This is an economy that we all benefit from. And if our companies really wanted to have all of their workers be documented properly and on the books, um, then the pressure would be on for Congress to do something. You know, it's appalling that we haven't had any kind of meaningful legislation on immigration in so many decades. And, uh, you know, but, but I think that when we look at the problems, however our listeners see the problems, it's not something that somebody else has created. It's a problem that we ourselves are responsible for. Well, I, I think that's well stated, and the question is, how does a Christian respond to this? And I think that a Christian needs to raise his or her voice when we see any kind of policy being implemented in a way that is inhumane, that treats outsiders, poor people, sick people, in ways that we know that our Lord would not have them treated. And it's fair to raise our voices when that happens, and, um, and, and I think we should. Well, since we're looking at this from a biblical perspective and closing as we close this discussion about immigration, I just have to ask the question that the lawyer asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Mm -hmm. And I think how we answer that question speaks volumes about our own faith. Thank you, Nick Miller, for being our guest today. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.